Okay, we're going to go on and open up with our devotion and um, then get in the Word. I'm excited about the Word today, what the Lord has given me, so praise the Lord. Our Father in heaven, we will praise and magnify thy holy name. Thy love watches over us, protecting us from every kind of danger and provides for our every need. Thou doest never fail us, we trust in thee. We have sinned against thee in thought and word and deed, but we come with contrite hearts, confessing our unworthiness and pleading for thy forgiveness through the merits of the shed blood of our Savior Jesus Christ. We thank thee for all thy good gifts unto us, and we pray thee to accept us and to use us as thou canest. Bless each of us as we need thy blessing. And with us bless all the ill, the sorrowing, the discouraged, the sinning, and all they needed, and all thy needy ones. We will pray also for all those engaged in lowly or great tasks for the extension of thy kingdom and the hearts of men everywhere. And now do thy be with us in our daily task of hand or mind. May we be workmen in, in things material and spiritual of whom thou needest not to be ashamed. Gather us home after a while without one missing, we ask in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I ask you to continue to show me the things you want me to see. So when I speak, Master, it will be those things you want me to say. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I thought that was a very good good prayer you got to listen to hear what is actually saying amen so we are in second timothy chapter 2 and picking up where we left off at which would be verse 8 and that that prayer that i just read out of the devotional parallels with what the message is today which is so amazing every everything i've read and my devotionals, um, even the word for today, falls in line with the message of the of the day. Amen. So uh, it's a part two because it's a continuation from last week in Second Timothy chapter two. We covered verses one through seven. So we're going to cover verses eight through thirteen, and the title is "Be Strong in the Grace of God." be strong in the grace of God. And then I had like a little subtitle, the word of God is not bound. Oh, hallelujah. Wake up our spirits, Lord, today to hear what you have to say to us. The word of God is not bound, for it is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Amen. That came out of Hebrews 4.12. And I'm going to dive into that a little bit further in our message. So, okay, I'm going to begin to read, beginning with uh, chapter 2, beginning with verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead, according to my gospel. Now, Paul is, is still... Uh, exhorting Timothy and encouraging Timothy, but he has to t remind him 
of Jesus Christ being a divine, powerful person who came here as a human. When he says, as a seed of David, means he's come from a human heritage. Okay, you understand this better when you begin to hear the rest of this, but receive and believe how Jesus came in order to free us. It says, wherein I suffered trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound, but even un, un, unto uh, chains, but the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sakes, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Now, the elect are God's chosen ones, which is supposed to be you all, all of us. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with Christ, we shall also live with him. If we suffer or endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet the abiding faithful, he cannot deny himself. So it means is we are faithless if we believe not. Yet he abiding faithful, he cannot deny himself, regardless of how unfaithful or faithless you are. He is faith, and he can't be anything less than. Amen? Okay, so let me go to my notes. Paul cites two examples in the first few verses. He cites two examples um, of endurance. Okay, the first one was of Jesus Christ. And the second one is Paul himself. Jesus suffered as a human. Okay, that's why he uses him. Because his sufferings was done as a human being. Okay, but he endured until the end. And, it, and it ha he had to come in human form in order to do away with the sin that was committed by a human that put us in bondage. And in order to set us free, he had to come in the form of how we got bound. Glory. Hallelujah, Jesus. Okay. Paul, he, so what Paul is doing, he's showing an example of one who was human but used divine ways to deliver and, and, and overcome the evil. Then he says, in himself, who was one who who was human, but he had evil, wicked, and a destroying nature. Paul. Okay, because we hear so much about Paul, and all we see him is glorified. But you got to remember where he came from and who he was before the road of Damascus. Okay. So before that, he was operating in an evil, unclean spirit, that was out about destroying any good. So he uses two extreme differences of how you can overcome. All of which the words saved, restored, return, or even change. What am I saying? In both situations, it was the word 
that brought the victory. It was a word that brought the victory. The word either brought restoration, returned things to where it should have been, and restored or changed things around. And with Paul in that situation, it changed him to become a new creation in Christ. And it was proved, Jesus proved that death can't stop or prevent the word from operating. And the Holy Spirit proves that that word of God cannot be chained up. As Paul writes the epistles in prison, while he's in prison, he writes the mysteries of God because he's receiving the revelation from the Spirit himself to tell him how to write to the church how we are to be as believers in Jesus Christ. Not as a church group functioning in society, but how to be overcoming elect people who let the kingdom of heaven shine here on earth. Oh God, help me Holy Ghost. You, we need to understand because the more you understand and receive, the freer you become in your soul. In your soul, when then you can operate in the power and authority he said, I've given unto you. We are doing less and little because we don't understand who we are in Christ because we don't understand our Savior and we don't know our Savior. Paul was only able to do what he did because his eyes was open to the truth. His eyes was open to see who Jesus is. Can you imagine someone like Paul, where he came from, and then he gets an eye opener? Let me tell you, that's what we need. We need new sight. We need a open vision and I don't mean where Jesus comes to visit us and show us a open vision I mean our vision needs to open up to see he has already come he has already overcome he's already done all that needs to be done we need to have eyes to see and a heart to receive so we can walk in what he has already done instead of doing the same oh same oh same oh same old thing thinking the same old thoughts and not getting the results that you're looking for. Glory, hallelujah, Jesus. This all should speak to us today, that there isn't anything we may face in this life that faith in the word of God cannot correct, fix, change, or turn around. But whatever is needed to give us the victory, the only thing that holds it up is time. And time is predicted on two things, at least two things I can think of. How strong is your faith? That's what the time is predicated on. How strong is your faith? Or how quickly will you respond to the change God is working in you through the trials and tribulations that you face? They come to do a greater work, not for us to mourn, complain, and whine, and wait to see God fix it. 
He fixes it a whole lot quicker when you wake up and respond to the change that he is doing in the, in the mess that has come upon you. That's why it says that uh, what Satan meant for evil, God would work it for the good. So Satan sends it out for evil, but God is using it to perfect us. So that we can walk in his kind of faith in order to do the due diligence that is needed to be done. So that things that he has already overcome won't overtake us. What he has already overcome, he did it for us to have the victory. And we let those things overtake us as if we haven't had a savior that walked before us and took care of it. Now, in a world where you don't face anything, that everything is just working just fine, and if it isn't, you're upset, depressed, fussing, cussing, and all the above. But if that was the case, he wouldn't tell us the just should live by faith. You don't need faith for things to be perfectly okay all the time. We need faith in order to endure what he says I've taken care of so we can see it in the spirit realm and hold on to it as we face the trials that we're facing and declare the victory per the word, per the word. The word is powerful. Not you, not me. The word is powerful. And when we speak the word, it manifests what it needs to manifest. And what it says it will do from its word. But you got to believe it. But your faith in it causes it to do what you can't do. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Until we get it and overcome past habits, negative thoughts, deeds, we will continue to face the same fears the same sickness and disease, the same divisions, family, the same battles, the same negative thoughts, the lack of accomplishments, the lack of spiritual growth, and the same offenses until we open up and receive his word and see his word for what it is. Remember, Remember what I started out with. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder your soul and spirit. Why? Because your heart was changed immediately at salvation by the blood and the cross of Jesus Christ. But your soul has to be worked on. And the only way that your soul is changed is by the word of God. By the word of God. Not by some miraculous laying hands on. It's got to be worked out of you. And the word of God does the work. If you want to see the change and you want to see the difference, speak the word. Believe the word. Stand on the word. Try the word. Amen? Let's, let, let's go over to Romans 12. Thank you, Jesus. Help me, Holy Ghost. I'm too excited. Romans 12, verses 1-2 says this. Paul, again. 
I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, it's grace and mercy that enables us to see and do what is not natural through the natural eye, okay? By the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And another word for reasonable, reasonable is rational. It's a rational act to do that as a believer, okay? Now, when we are weak, a living sacrifice means the giving of yourself at a need without being asked. A living sacrifice is the giving of yourself at a time of a need for someone else without being asked to do it. And not a want, not for somebody else's wants, but for a need, okay? Helping someone to come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ by your consistent walk with Christ and edifying words. That's a living sacrifice. Let me repeat this again. Helping someone to come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ by your consistent walk with Christ and edifying words to them. Doing something for the good of mankind that takes you out of your comfort zone. Doing something good for mankind that takes you out of your comfort zone. If we must be always comfortable and never put to an inconvenience to serve God, we are not a living sacrifice. So that's what it means to be a living sacrifice. He says, verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He says, don't conform to the world. <laughs> Glory, hallelujah. But be transformed. So that means there is a work and a responsibility on you in order for your mind to be transformed and renewed into the things that your heart has accepted. But your soul won't let it happen. Okay? <laughs> See, our minds based on how we were born, naturally thinks on evil and world views. It's common. It's normal. It's natural. And because it is, and you're not doing any kind of work to change according to what the instructions has been given to us out of the Bible, you think those thoughts are okay. You think that that view is the way to go. But if you were allowing the Holy Spirit because you're putting the work in it to change those views and to change your thoughts, you will realize those are foreign alien thoughts that are not supposed to exist anymore. I am a new person in Christ. Therefore, my thoughts are supposed to line up with his thoughts. This is why the Bible says, study to show yourself approved. We don't study to be a good 
Bible teacher or a good preacher. We study to become more like him and exemplify it by our lives. And then when we speak, we are the epitome of what our calling and our gifting says we are. You got to do it. You just can't speak it. And if we don't study, but always speaking the world's way, you have just masked who you are in Christ. I'm a believer, but I talk the yang that everybody else talk. I believe in everything that I hear, the views that actually come against what I say I believe. And I dare not speak up and say anything about it contrary because I don't want to start anything. Really? Well, if you don't start something, then how are they going to recognize God's kingdom? If you're silent, then they're convinced that their way is right and there is no other way. You know, before we got saved and we act the way we did, we thought the way we thought, we thought it was the right way. We didn't know that there was a better way. Not about other ways. There is a better way. And it is the only way. And you only realize that when you've had a true conversion in Jesus Christ, that's when you really realize there is only one way, and it's his way. And any other way is a conflict against what you say you believe and who you trust in. You know, if you get him out of just being your savior and start letting him be your Lord, you would think differently. You would think a whole lot different. Amen? So let's take off the mask and let the light of Christ, let the light of Christ's truth shine through you so that you can prove that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. You know, it's by the blood of Jesus. And you can't get to God if you don't come through his son, Jesus. So you can say that all you want. But if you don't know that Jesus is your source, you don't even reach him when you're talking and calling his name just to be saying something. Because uh, uh, atheists believe that there is a God. You know why I say that? Because if they didn't, they wouldn't be so busy trying to disprove that he exists. If he don't exist, he don't exist. Why do you got to go through all them troubles to try to prove he, that he doesn't exist? Exist, Amen? The life of sacrifice for and in Christ makes the cross the object of our faith. A life of sacrifice. I'm talking about our lives of sacrifice for and in Christ makes the cross the object of our faith. If that's not the object of our faith, we're just like any other religion, just believing in some precepts. No, no, no. We believe in a higher power. That power is in the cross of Jesus Christ. And, and without it, we have no faith. 
Amen. Everything that was done to prove the victory over sin and death was done on the cross. So our ability to overcome what Jesus has already overcome in the acceptance of the cross. In other words, if you believe in that cross and you believe in the power of that cross, everything that Jesus has done to allow us to overcome was done on that cross. So when you accept that, you have accepted the overcoming power of the cross. Remember Jesus says, all power and authority has been given to me, I give unto you. But you know what? The reason why there's no success because you don't know what the authority is. You think the authority is, is um, come up here, Bob. In the name of Jesus, be healed. And she falls out. That's not the authority. First of all, if I don't have any faith in what his word has to say, and if I'm not moved by the Holy Spirit in doing that, there is no authority. And there is no power. The power is in the knowing and in the believing. And then when, you, when I touch, it's a point of contact of what I believe, and God performs it. Well, every born-again believer is anointed. Use your authority and your power in Jesus Christ to make a push back the gates of hell and overshadow the darkness. But if you got to first start in your own life. If we can't do it within us, you and when you believe, let me tell you, you got word of God. It's not by our might. It's not by our power, but it's by spirit. His spirit is working. And when we believe in our hearts, what we speak with our mouths, when we speak it, he performs it. Why? Because you're speaking his resume. You're speaking his name. You're speaking his he will perform it according to how he has written it. Hallelujah, Jesus. Without the cross of Jesus, we would not have his spirit or authority. In other words, his power. Because when we are weak, he will abide in us to show us strength. If we abide in him and appeal his court, take our knees to his court, not to man's court, but take our knees to his court. And he will show his strength. But did he tell Paul in Corinthians, when you are weak, my strength is made strong in you. Because you, what you're saying is that I can't do it on my own, Father. I'm trusting in you. And he will do it. And, and just because you don't see no microwave movement or stuff does not mean God is not doing it. You, see, he just want to see how long are you going to trust and believe. Can you hold on? And wait and see. Because what you need to remember. What you need to remember that in that time that you're waiting to see because it didn't microwave happen. It's doing a greater work in you. It's doing a greater work in you. Because the more you say it and the more you stand on it, the more convinced you become. The greater your faith comes. And when it happens, it takes you to a a place of no longer praising, but worshiping God. Worshiping God, because he's strong in your life. And then you can walk and, 
and, and meet the other test. Because let me tell you, it gets greater and greater. When he says your faith will go from faith to faith and glory to glory. You don't spiritual growth comes in at. Because let me tell you, when you read the word and believe it, not just reading, you don't get spiritually mature reading when you believe what you read that's when you get spiritually mature and you grow and you get to higher heights and things begin to change yeah. hallelujah jesus yeah. romans 8 1 through 12 hallelujah i don't want to miss none of what god has given me this morning because i was excited just preparing hallelujah jesus romans uh, chapter 8 and beginning with with verse 1 we're going to read 1 through 12 there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in christ jesus now i hear that quoted all the time but i don't ever hear anybody say this and this is that is only going to happen when you do this who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit there is no condemnation to them in Christ Jesus who's walking after the spirit and not after the flesh. Okay? He says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus have made me free from the law of sin and death. Okay? Ah, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. What did it mean? The laws of our government governs us when we are uncircumcised. I can't think of another word, but uncircumcised, which means you're not saved. <laughs> okay? You have to follow those rules because that's the only thing that can govern you and keep you in control. But once I become a born-again believer in Christ, I don't need natural laws to govern me. I have a higher spiritual law that governs me and causes me to do right when before I would have done wrong. Causes me to see what's right when it's being camouflaged by the wrong. Hallelujah, Jesus. But because of who's in me, I am convicted the moment I followed my past old nature. And I'm like, oh, Lord, okay, I'm sorry. Mm -mm, nope. So I don't need a law to keep me in order, to keep me in straight. Because the law of love is governing my heart and my thoughts and my actions. And when I follow that, I'm fulfilling the law. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Because see, the, the, the natural law by the government don't have the power to keep you. It doesn't have the power to keep you. Why do you think? We say people go in prison and they come out and repeat and do it greater than what they've done before. And, and, and you don't care. What, what's wrong with them? Nothing. They're operating according to the law of the land. The law of the land can't keep you. The law of the land can't transform your thoughts, can't deliver your soul. It's all it's doing is punishing you for your bad behavior. And since they haven't taught you anything, that behavior didn't change. So when you come out, you figure out, how can I do it better where I won't get caught? Amen. That's why it's important for the church to go to the prison. Yeah. Yeah. Not the Muslims. 
but for the church to go to the prison and begin to minister, there is a better way. There is another way that you can get free even before your term is up right here behind these prison doors. But when you come out, you'll be freer than you ever thought you could be. You will be changed. But when you're so busy, all you want to do is help them get out from behind the bars through a legal form. You have done nothing to help them but to be worse than they were before they first went in there. Because they come out with a bad, evil, wicked attitude. And everything is about how can I get over? Let me tell you, it is not just legally, but how can you get over even in relationships? How can you, you don't even know how to have a healthy relationship with family members or with another human being that you want to make a spouse, girlfriend, or whatever. Why? Because a double-minded minded man is double-minded in all his ways, not just in how to get over in the world, but in every aspect of his life. Amen. And there's only one person that can stop that and change that. And his name is, and he's got to be living in you, not something you've heard about. And it don't work because some of your family members know him, and you don't know him. You got to know him for yourself. Verse 3, no, okay, for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Remember I explained that in the other one? See, God sent Jesus in the flesh to condemn flesh. <laughs> Glory. Hallelujah, Jesus. Which lets us know we don't have to let our flesh overpower us. It, it, it don't have to overpower us. We got to be in tune to the fact that he's already done that. And so when flesh begins to rise up, you tell, settle down. Shut up. You ain't getting this because you're no longer in charge. My heart that's been changed by the blood of Jesus is controlling you so. I'm serious. You got to you talk like that sometimes. That's what I have to do sometimes. Okay. Talk to your soul. Let, let, let me just say, everything that you crave for, it was not intended for you. Amen. That's a bound soul that's trying to be pampered. Everything that you like is not for you. Amen. All things are good, but not all things are expedient. Amen. That's what the Bible says, okay? Everything that looks good ain't always good. Amen. Amen. So that's when you need to, to, to tell your soul, settle down. Take a back seat. You ain't running nothing here. The Holy Ghost is speaking and is in charge. I want to tell this again. But sometimes the things that our taste buds crave for, yes, yes. we think it's that thing like when I be craving for fruit stuff and I want to give it candy, fruit, fruity candy. The, the Holy Spirit is trying to tell me, I don't want you to eat the candy. I want you to eat an orange. <laughs> <laughs> Papaya, something <laughs> that has that fruity 
flavor that you're looking for because that's what your body is craving for because it needs it for nutrients and then you give it some jelly beans and all you've done is causing deterioration to it. Amen. <laughs> well, that's what that that's what all of this means. <laughs> Glory. Verse 4, that the righteous of the law might be fulfilled in us. So, okay, um, in, in here, the righteous of the law, the, that's the Hebrew of it, but the um, interpretation of that, the righteous requirements of the law. The righteous requirement. In other words, a law that is there to govern us, to keep us safe and keep us sound. That's the righteous requirements of the law. Okay, but because you are a born-again believer who's walking in the spirit and not in the flesh, you fulfill the righteous requirements. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. Now, just in case, do everyone know what things are of the spirit and what things are of the flesh? And if you don't, you can raise your hand just enough where I can see it. Do you know what things are of the spirit and what things are of the flesh? Are you, do you have an understanding? So, because that's where our issues lie. The things that are of the flesh, reminding the things of the flesh, not the things of the, of, of the spirit. Let me tell you, things of the flesh proposes no challenge to you. And because your soul is still being worked on to be delivered, sometimes the first things that come up are what you've been bound by in your soul. So you challenge it with the spirit. Lord, is this coming from you? Is this what you want me to do? Is this what you want me to have? I'm not moving till I hear from you. Things of the spirit don't meet your natural thinking. It's contrary to a natural thought because it's higher than what you would think. But the Bible tells us, uh, it was 1 John or 2 John, try the spirits, little s, with the big S, Holy Spirit. That means if you try it, then the Lord will let you know this is an unclean spirit talking to you as a counterfeit of who I am. Because the unclean spirits come at, to counterfeit to keep you confused and to keep you going in the wrong direction. That means this. There could be born-again Christians in the church who are operating in error speaking to you because the unclean spirit is using them and they don't even know they're being used. So try the spirit to make sure that what you're getting is coming from the throne room and not from hell. 
Because you know what the enemy will do? He will entice you to sin with good stuff. Not the obvious things that you know and you can't be deceived by. Remember that. The obvious, you can't be deceived by that. You recognize it. But what you are not seeing, he will come and deceive you and tempt you to do what is wrong. And then when you do it and mess up and get caught, he'll talk about you like a dog. That's condemnation. That's why it says there is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk after the spirit and not after the flesh. Because Jesus don't condemn us. Jesus will convict us when we're wrong, but he doesn't condemn us. The difference is with the conviction, there's hope because all you have to do is confess that sin. He's faithful and just to forgive you of that sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Condemnation is constantly throwing up in your face how stupid you are and how what you, you, what you should have, could have, would have. God forgives us, washes away the residue so you don't have to remember it just like he doesn't. But God, is this coming from you or an unclean spirit? just the weakness of my flesh when you biblically when you try the spirit you ask ask that unclean spirit was Jesus born of a virgin because that is the faith statement that determines your faith by accepting Jesus Christ you have chosen to believe what the world would say is impossible and that for a, a child to be born through the womb of a virgin, a wound that has never been opened before. Do you hear, you hear, you understand what I'm saying? And yet it opened up and brought that, brought baby Jesus and then closed back up again. <laughs> Hallelujah. And was a virgin for her husband when they started to have natural children. Isn't that powerful? That's God. Only God can do that. Only God could do that. <laughs> Hallelujah, Jesus. Number five, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. To be, for to be carnally minded is death. It's death. For you to be carnally minded is death. Because let me tell you, we begin to act out what we think. You, you, don't sit up and, and, and have these, all these kinds of thoughts and think, well, I was just thinking about that. You keep entertaining the thought. It becomes an action. So that's why Paul tells us in Corinthians, cast down vain imagination. So the, immediately when the thought comes, you know when the thought is not right. So immediately cast it down. He wasn't talking about casting down somebody else's thought. Cast down your own thought. Amen. And vain imagination that goes against the knowledge of God. Cast it down immediately so that you're not acting out what's what's in your mind it 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 has to be you got to envision it you know you can't you you have to have a vision in order to get somewhere and accomplish something amen that's why the bible says without a vision 
the people perish. Why? Because if you don't have a vision to accomplish something, you're just sitting around here soaking up air, <laughs> wasting time, waiting to die. That's so, I, 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 can't, I can't imagine living like that. It's discouraging. It's, it's useless. It's, you have, I mean, why would you want to wake up the next day to face that? I wake up, okay, what's the day? I got to do so. <laughs> I mean, the moment my eyes open up, I'm told, okay, the day is such as, oh, okay, I got to do that. Because my kid says, you don't know how to rest, do you? Yeah, I do. Doing what I like to do. That's a form of rest for me. And, and, and when I'm really tired, then I get into Christ. Think on those things with him. Lord, restore me. Let him restore me. That's the kind of rest. But resting to me is not just sitting on my behind, doing nothing, thinking I deserved it because I reached a certain age of retirement. And when the more and more I think about that, <laughs> what makes you think that you have reached a certain age that you can sit on your laurels and wait for other people to do things for you and some of them at your same age? So what if we all took that position? Nothing would be going on. Do you realize that? We are to be working until Jesus comes back to get us. And you can retire from one place, but to do something different. He allow you to retire from one particular job or occupation in order to do something else. Not to sit down and rest. The only kind of rest we're supposed to enter in is the rest of in getting into Christ, getting into Jesus. And, and you find that in Hebrews. Enter into him and, and rest in him. It does not mean sitting on your behind doing nothing. Because how, can, how many thoughts can you have when you secluded yourself from the rest of the world? And you have no purpose, no desire, no plan. What are you thinking about? The past? All things have passed away. They all have become new born again believer. Forget those things that are behind Press towards the mark of excellence to go forward. Read the Bible, and some of the stuff we have made decisions to do, you will then change your mind about it when you begin to hear some truth. Okay, um, verse 7. What did I say I was going to read up to 12? Okay, verse 7. Because the carnal mind is an enmity against God, which means it's an enemy against God. The carnal-minded person is an enemy against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. Your carnal thinking is not subjected to what God is saying. You can't hear. You don't recognize. You don't know. It can't be. You're either going to transform over, or you're going to be on the left side with Satan. It's no in-between. You have to make your choice. That's why David says, choose he here this day whom you're going to serve. You can't serve two masters at the same time. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. 
But you are not in the flesh, born in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is, is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies. In other words, it would raise us up out of a sinful situation by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. In other words, for a believer, there is only one death. That's the one here on earth that you're killing your flesh so that you can live by the spirit. That's the death that you, we need to be focusing on. To kill the deeds of the flesh now so that we will go live in eternity with Christ. But those who live by their flesh here on earth dies twice. They die to this earth and then they go to hell and die. Our souls go to live on with Christ for eternity so that's why we do all of the work here on earth to kill that flesh from living on its own. And we choose to walk after the, uh, after the spirit. We choose to walk after the spirit. So you have to declare it to yourself constantly. But you speak it, the word to it. Because just, 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 just saying... I know I'm, I'm, I'm following the spirit. You got to speak the word to your soul because the word is what kills your soul. So you speak the word to it and watch it die so that the spirit can live fully in you. This is why it's important to pray for the infilling of the Holy Spirit and not just just say, well, that's not for me. Let me tell you, the spirit had to come into our hearts to change our hearts for us to be saved. Amen. That's why we're saved. Your hearts will change immediately, but your soul is a working project, and it can only be done by the Holy Spirit. That's why you invite the Holy Spirit to come in and live in you, to fulfill you, fill you up, so that he can guide you to, and, and direct. Let me tell you what the Holy Spirit does. Glory. He's a bridge over troubled water, a strong tower, a high habitation. The Bible says when you run into it, you're safe. A bright and morning star, so he'll lead and guide our path. Hope for tomorrow. When a day feels like it's hopeless, you don't have to worry. You just deal with what's before you today. Give God all the praise and the glory. There is a tomorrow. A strong link in the chain of life. This is who you hold on to. A safety net. So when you have trouble, you run into him. Peace in the time of trouble. Why? Because you've chose to enter into his presence and rest in him during the troubled times. A stabilizer. 
when you don't know what to do, he comes in and stabilizes those things for you. A fear breaker, a suspender. He will lift you up above the situation. A life giver, the shining light in dark situations. A hiding place, a resting place. He's our refuge. He's the truth. He's our advocate. So he defends our case when we go to court. And the only court that we have to attend is the one, the highest court, where he judges. <laughs> He's a great physician. You can call on him and he will heal your body. Amen. And he is the word, the power, the authority that changes everything. A deliverer, a protector, a provider, the way. He is all in all. There is no other. So you need him to make it day by day. That's why you ask for him to fill you every day. I'm not talking about the prayer language. That's wonderful because guess what? When you don't know how to pray, but you know you need to pray, that's when he shows up and speak a language through you. But you got to have his presence in bodying you, covering you from head to toe. So you invite him and fill me, Father, with your Holy Spirit. There are times when, just for instance, when we go out to protest at that abortion clinic, we don't know what to say. Because we don't even know what's really going on because they ain't going to let you inside of the thing. But the Holy Spirit knows. And when we surrender our way to him and ask him, Lord, you pray through us. You tell us how to pray. Then we can pray through our spirit language and cover some stuff. And, 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 and the enemy don't have a clue about what you're saying. And it makes them very, very uncomfortable. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. So that's why we need to be walking in the spirit of the living God. Make Jesus Christ your Lord as well as your Savior, and he will become the law of your life and not an extracurricular activity of church attendance. Attending church doesn't bring the change. Being the church does. Jesus condemned the sin of flesh with his undefiled flesh. But you, in order to have the Holy Spirit embodying you, you must want the Spirit, seek after the Spirit, and commit to walk in the Spirit. He is not an occasional event to produce sensational acts, goosebumps, hair-raising, yelling. He is a comforter. He has defined purposes in our lives and we cannot reduce him to a sensational experience only those things will happen but that is not who he is that is the result of what he's doing sometimes and so that doesn't that's why you don't make a determining factor about whether a person is operating in the spirit because they're yelling and carrying on and all of that you seek the spirit of God who will reveal some things to you because sometimes when you think they're in, in the spirit carrying on, they're in a spirit and that's your opportunity to set them free because of the spirit that is in you and you command that unclean spirit to come out of it. And even with these children, now is the time. 
that they could be set free in, in, in the children's church and in the, in the Bible studies. When those children start acting out of a, 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 a position and, and, and a place that is not normal, I don't care what they've been diagnosed with. You can tell the difference between the effects of a sickness and the effect of an unclean spirit. And when they start doing and saying some things, they don't know. We don't know sometimes when the spirit is trying to use you. An unclean spirit is using you. You don't have a clue. Because first of all, since we don't read the Bible like we should, we think everything we, we're doing is right and we're in control. No, there's two powers controlling us. Satan or the Lord. And there's nothing in between. So whoever you choose to spend most of your time with through your words, your thoughts, and your eyes, you've given the control over to. But you can change that with a simple prayer. I surrender my all to you, Lord, this day. Forgive me for my ignorance, for walking in darkness that you did not plan for me to walk in. God, I belong to you, and I am no longer allowing the enemy to reap havoc over my life with his lies and his deceit. I surrender my all. Have your way with me, Holy Spirit, for I trust you, I believe in you, I desire for you to live in me. I will follow your way, and I thank you that you will quicken me the moment that I get off course and put me back on the right course. Thank you, Jesus, for your spirit that guides me you said you were sending your spirit to help me. I receive him. I employ him. Fill me with overflow with your spirit, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I guess I better go on and do the benediction, and then we'll open it up for questions and answers. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and give you peace. Lift up his countenance upon you so that you will walk in his way, no longer straddling the fence, but walking in the way of Christ, recognizing that doing this season is just an, another opportunity to see our Savior like we need to see him and to serve him all the other things we do is extra but the main thing is that we know jesus as our lord and our savior and we'll exclaim it to the rest of the world that you feel loved during this season because jesus lives only because jesus lives thank you father when you leave here traveling mercies and don't forget, tell somebody about Jesus. Amen.